Hello and welcome back to Berlin Bear Crypto. My name is James Gordon. This video is for the 30th of March 2020. This is going to be the first version of the show that will be in audio form on all the typical podcasting channels. So if you do like to listen in audio, do click the link in the description box below or you can search on iTunes, Spotify, etc, etc. And going forward, we should be having an audio version of the show and all videos of the in audio version on the various podcast networks. But if you are new here, don't forget to hit that subscribe button, like the video. And if you aren't new here, do click the link in the description box below to the website to sign up to our email list because there's lots of free goodies over there. Okay, so that's enough with the promo. What are we doing today? So we're going to be talking about traditional markets, going to be talking about the bounce in the market today, going to be talking about how Bitcoin was leading the charge. It is currently up 8% today, but it was also uh, in profit, not in profit, up 8% um, before the traditional markets open. So it's a bit of a leading indicator at the moment, still clearly coupled to traditional markets. Going to be doing some macro TA on Bitcoin, looking at the larger perspective, then maybe drill deeper down into some altcoins, then cover the amazing news from the last couple of days. Okay, so what are we looking at? We're looking at the S&P 500, which is a good barometer for the American economy. We have had a bounce today, not a bounce, but uh, an increase in overall value of the top 500 stocks in the S&P. Um, it's up 2.74% today. But what's really interesting is because I'm based in London, my time zone is hours and hours ahead of the American markets where, uh, before they start trading. So this morning I wake up like I normally do, you know, look at what trades I can put. And I was looking at Bitcoin. Bitcoin was doing exceptionally well. I think it was up like 6 or 7%. Um, and I was thinking, hmm, is this, is this Bitcoin... Um, trailblazing off, about to go on a bull run and pump and leave equities, gold and all the other traditional markets in the dust. This is what some people have been expecting. But um, and it was interesting because I was waiting for the UK markets to open, waiting for the London Open and the London Open was actually down. It was actually down a couple of percent. So I was thinking this could this could as possible if you look at the previous candles i would be expecting to face resistance relatively soon in traditional markets and see further downside if the because the economy is not really going to be moving for months so there's no real reason why um, any of these stocks should be going up other than the ones that are still able to generate significant profit over the next six to 12 months for things like netflix possibly zoom as well um, a lot of things where people have to self-isolate and stay at home those would make sense um, excluding all the all the stocks, ETFs, et cetera, et cetera, being bailed out by the feds. That means Boeing, that means airlines, that might mean some banks, that might mean some funds. Um, other than those, I wouldn't expect the general market to, to pick up like that. So one thing I'd say to look out for, guys, is if you are paying attention to the other markets as well, is do wait, wait and and just see Bitcoin, um, if you are able to wake up for, before you do trade and look, do look at the, the traditional markets and just see if Bitcoin is up. because it can give you a, a bit of a, it's a bit of a leading indicator at the moment as to where traditional markets are going to go. So you could find 
um, possibly some stocks that haven't really moved or have moved already or have going through a consolidation period um, that you can basically play based on what Bitcoin is doing. That's one thing I've noticed. So that's quite useful. Um, so do look at the, the FTSE and S&P 500. But I'm expecting further downside. There's nothing really too significant to talk about broadly in traditional markets. Oil's likely to continue trend downwards. It's currently $20 a barrel approximately. Um, we have um, the dollar, which it seems to be losing some strength compared to other currencies, especially crypto. Um, but things are pretty much in the same kind of position they were last week generally speaking. So let's talk about the Bitcoin on the macro perspective. So something I wanted to do was kind of, you know, it's very easy to get stuck in the weeds and very look, and look at those shorter time frames. But even on the daily, sometimes we don't look back and look at the charts and look at some macro patterns. So overall, I am bullish on Bitcoin long term. I'm still bullish. The fundamentals are there. The economy seems to be shaping up in such a way that it's actually um, helping Bitcoin, you know, in terms of what's, what we've expected to happen based on the fundamentals um, to happen. So unfortunately for the audio listeners, you won't be able to see the chart today, but you can check it out on the YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash C, Bloomberg Crypto. Um, but what, we're, what I'm looking at here, well, I did some very basic charting, was looking at uh, symmetrical triangles slash wedges and looking at the Bitcoin logarithmic chart on Bit, Bitstamp and just drawing a trend line where you can see price clearly trending and then breaking out and then consolidating and then we see the same thing happen, okay? So tw this, this chart starts in 2012. We see a clear trend line of Bitcoin's price action moving from $2 all the way up to a thousand okay so this is towards december 12th 2013. then we start to see the correction happen along the way there were you know uh uh you know uh, exuberant periods with the bitcoin price where it was really rallying going exponential and consolidated we're not really focusing on the earlier price action just because the price was so low those movements aren't too significant but we're talking about um, you know, for example, we can look at from $76 to $1,000. That move is extremely significant, obviously. But we can see there's a wedge here. We can see this downtrend with this candle. Uh, sorry, downtrend here. So this is upper level resistance, lower support. Um, and if we zoom in a bit, what we can see happen. So, this is, so the reason why I'm so zoomed out happens on the macro scale it happens on the more micro scale too. And I'll just demonstrate that in a moment as well. Um, we can see Bitcoin's price. Um, basically break support, break down. It does trend back above support, but ultimately support flips into resistance on this uh, support line. And then we have resistance and then res on this upper trend line, then resistance continues to play as resistance. Now this, this uh, trend line isn't super accurate just because I drew it, I drew it freehand rather than using it to tack on to um, the highs and lows of candles with the magnet tool, but generally speaking, you get the idea of what I'm, what I'm trying to convey here, I'm sure. So after we break out this wedge or after we break below uh, a long-term support level trend line, we tend to sideways trade and then Bitcoin sideways trades for a while and then breaks out and starts, starts uh, you know, really rallying. Um, and that's over quite a long period of time. So from 2015, to 20, sorry, let me say it again. So Jan 2015 to August, that's eight months. Um, 
Bitcoin had a few, two significant pumps, broke outside that uh, that resist, upper resistance level, upper resistance trend line, and it flipped into support. You could one could argue. So, for example, if I move that here, you could argue that it flipped in support. Um, from there, we had a parabolic move, and then Bitcoin's new higher low was established, and then we had the same thing happen again and again and again. So. I could draw on this, this chart here again, another trend line, same thing happened, but I won't. I'll, I'll move over to what's more recent. So if we take a look at uh, the May trend line from, sorry, so from 15th of April, 2016, Bitcoin's price has basically trended upwards overall. There's been, uh, you know, exponential moves and then the price dumping or correcting. But that trend line is worth paying attention to because it does uh, provide support here. And we do bounce off that a few times. Uh, looking at the price action in January 2019. Now, more recently, um, actually, let me just touch upon that trend line in one, one more second because we'll get to the point in the making. So um, when, when Bitcoin dumped, and equities dumped and everything dumped um, on the 11th, 11th of March uh, 2020, so earlier this month. Um, that's the first time in a long time Bitcoin's actually broken below that trend line, that, that longer term trend line, which is why I had it on the chart right now. So what I'm expecting to see uh, moving forward from that point is what I saw in December 2014, where Bitcoin will um, trade below that trend line, it will now no longer be support, instead it'll be resistance, okay? So I expect Bitcoin to trade below that trend line, it'll be resistance moving forward. And then what will happen is if we again go back, it will break above the upper level of support line on this wedge, or symmetrical triangle, and it will break out, test the triangle, so what I should do here is extend this triangle a bit. Nope, that's that middle line. Extend this triangle's upper resistance trend line. Almost there, guys. Just to see in case it does test this trend line as, as, as a support in the future. Okay, it might not. There's no guarantees in these markets, but this is what I'm expecting to see. Okay, so. Again, Bitcoin's price, it rallied, went all the way up to 20K. Then we had it starting to correct. Then it found uh, its bottom in December 2018 at $3,000. Price rallied up, touched resistance, just like previously in the previous chart. Touched resistance, traded close to resistance, just like the previous chart. Traded close to resistance. And then we had the price dump. So that was a macro event. That's the first time in Bitcoin's history where we've had the price uh, dump like that in, um, in tandem with a macro event. But what's very interesting is looking at this chart is the exact same thing actually happened back in January 2015. It actually broke below the uh, support level in quite a significant way. It actually, is over the period of two days, it lost... Um, 46% of its value. So, you know, that's really significant. If we take a look at how much value was lost on the most recent dump, we can see we lost 
53% value. So that's not too much of a difference between uh, 2014 and 2020. So how do I expect Bitcoin to move going forwards if we look at the most recent levels? So that's, that's, that's a these, are, these are technical reasons why I'm bullish on Bitcoin. This is extremely fundamentals, okay? I'm gonna talk about where this wedge um, aligns in a moment, uh, which is very, very, very interesting. Um, and I didn't intend for it to happen this way. I, I just used the magnet tool to tack on to um, the key levels on the chart to make sure that it touched on uh, levels of support and levels of resistance significantly, the significant levels at least. So. As you can see, again, I'm, I'm sorry, audio listeners, but as you can see here with this lovely squiggly, squiggly line, I expect Bitcoin to trend a bit further downwards, possibly even touch levels of support line again, um, break above the, the midline of this symmetrical triangle or wedge, um, break below, retest, then um, have a bit of a rally, bit of a move, and hit this upper resistance level, it turns into resistance, it's resistance again, we're rejected, we find support, rejected again, possibly break below, or not even break below, but between, in, in these coming months, I'd expect to see uh, Bitcoin really uh, explode, explode out, okay? So that's, that's worst case scenario, worst case scenario. So this is irrespective of the halvening, but what I'm expecting to see, because when you look at, uh, when you generally look at wedges and symmetrical triangles, they don't, they don't always necessarily break out at the, at the tip of the wedge. This usually before, and this trend line, this squiggly line isn't the best, it's just a general idea, but they usually don't break out, um, you know, for example, a parallel channel, the, you know, you know, when we have a breakout, it's usually after a few touches. So here we've had a few touches of the upper level of resistance, a few touches of lower level of resistance, lower level of support. So I'd expect to see um, between now and June, um, Bitcoin sideways trading, but trending upwards and testing resistance again. And then we have a really uh, significant rally later this year towards the mid of next year. Okay, so that's macro perspective. I wouldn't expect Bitcoin to be trading around the sub 6K range for much longer this year. I'd probably say we have about three to six months left of that, if at all. And then that's probably the last time we'll see Bitcoin sub 6K for a while until we get the next parabolic move and then correction and we can see where we are again. Okay, so lots of fundamentals in place that kind of coalesce with what what we'd expect to see. Um, 2014 wasn't, sorry, 2015 wasn't a halvening year, but we do have the halvening coming up. And we usually after the halvening, we do see price rally after a few, couple of months. And then that's followed by a parabolic move as well. Um, and then we'll likely find a new low. But let's take a look at Bitcoin on the, if this chart loads for me, looks like it crashed. Let's take a look at Bitcoin on the shorter time frames. I'm gonna to go to Coinbase for this. It's gonna look at the spot BTC price. And we're going to be zooming in. Looks like trade isn't being very cooperative. There we go. Oh, 
No, didn't like that. Here we go. So, looks like the chart's loaded. Okay, lovely. So, um, Bitcoin versus the dollar on trading. Are you looking at the spot price of BTC? What am I expecting to see um, moving forward? We had a nice little run today, nice little pump for the price. Um, Bitcoin is up 8%. However, I, I, if, you, if we take a bit of a step back and turn on volume profile visible range, and we're going to use volume profile visible range to pay very close attention to the most recent price action since the dump, because it's going to give us a bit of an indication of some levels. So in the most immediate future, I'd probably expect Bitcoin's price to return to the point of contention, which is the $5,365 mark, if we continue to trend bearish, which I would say we're probably likely to do. And this is looking at the hourly time frame. Um, and let's turn on the moving averages to see if we get a bit more information there because we possibly might. So we just broke above the, the 12 and 26 moving average exponentials. We're riding them at the minute, but I feel like it's, we're likely to break back down. If you're a fan of, of uh, Wyckoff theory or Wyckoff theory, um, we're probably in a phase where we might again, might even test uh, 690 again, break below, and then we would have mini bounce and then trend back downwards to approximately the $4,000 to $5,000 range or four, four $5,000 to $5,000 range. Um, that would make the most sense based on how this chart is, is seems to be developing on the hourly time frame. Um, but what I'd like to also pay attention to is if we zoom out a tiny bit and get a bit more information for volume profile visible range, going to see something very interesting regarding the price. Actually, we're going to look at the four hour time frame. There we go. Let me make sure I have, let's see. Oh. Chart is not very happy today. For our time frame and where we're trading with volume profile visible range. Okay, um, it's not helpful. It's not helpful. It's not working. Doesn't matter. No problem. We're going to move on to Ethereum. My point was is that um, in the immediate future, expect I expect us to have kind of reached. Um, a bit of a resistance level with Bitcoin. Um, can see it trending upwards to the 6,600 level. Then we get a slight rejection as well on the shorter time frames. Let's take a quick look at Ethereum versus BTC. It's a very key mo uh, time for Ethereum versus Bitcoin at the moment, just because we are reaching a bit of a level where, for those that are interested in Ethereum, we look at the daily time frame. For those that are interested in Ethereum, it seems to be continuing to trend downwards to a key support level of 0.019616 Satoshis, okay? So ideal case scenario, we'd bounce from that level, 
But if we do break below and retest and get rejected, then I expect lower lows for Ethereum versus the BTC ticker. Um, and if you look at the chart pattern at the moment, it's, I mean, it, it did seem like we were forming a, uh, a double bottom here, but we, but we might develop into a triple bottom. So we might be trading sideways if we do continue to trend downwards. So that'd be actually a really, really good time to pick up some Ethereum. Um, if you are looking for a long-term hold. Again, not investment advice, just my personal opinion. It's for educational purposes only. But I do think, for me personally, if I do see um, Ethereum break below this level uh, versus the Bitcoin on the uh, versus BTC on the ticket, I will uh, sell some of my BTC for Ethereum on the on my trading account. So that's it for the technical analysis. Um, if you haven't already, do subscribe, like, and comment below if you'd like me to cover anything in these videos. But now we're going to be moving on to the key news for the past couple of days. So, very interesting month it's been. Very, very interesting month. So this month has seen the biggest run on the banks since Y2K. So I've, so I've seen this on Twitter, and I mentioned this in previous um, some previous... Uh, my previous videos, but I didn't really have any data to back or figures to back um, what I was seeing. I was just seeing that lot, lots of people were, were looking to withdraw cash. And then we had the FDIC, who insures bank accounts in the States, um, release a very odd video suggesting, basically telling people, do not remove your money from the bank, your money is safe. That's a, that was a big red flag for us and many other people suggesting that they that if if there was a bank run a proper bank run where everyone was you know a, a, a significant enough people withdraw their funds from their bank account then in, in the form of cash then you know we'd, we'd be in a bit of a bit of a problem these banks wouldn't be able to uh, well no FDIC wouldn't be able to cover cover people's deposits based from an insurance perspective, which was put into place after the last financial crash. Now, what's really interesting is that central banks have basically been given the green lights from the Federal Reserve that you do not need to have any minimum amount of, of cash reserves um, on your balance sheet uh, versus how much you're lending. So if you're unaware of how a bank operates, ultimately they make profits off the money you deposit, and they use something called fractional reserve banking. They lend out the money you have. However, what banks do is they lend out more than they actually hold in their accounts because, because that's how they can make more money ultimately. And what this means is um, in order to protect uh, users' funds or you know consumers' funds, they need, the bank technically should be holding a minimum amount in their accounts at all times, so that if X amount of people would like to withdraw funds, then they can, okay? Um, one thing that's been growing more and more common in the last five years, I'd say, is banks just declining uh, people from withdrawing cash, uh, citing any old reason. I've noticed a significant trend over the last uh, five years as well, that banks have progressively reduced their uh, maximum withdrawal daily withdrawal amounts from over the counter. Okay, unless you are a high net worth individual or have a special relationship or relationship manager, 
then you simply aren't going to be able to withdraw a significant amount of funds. And I saw this earlier this year or late last year in Germany, which caused a flood of people to run to the banks and withdraw their cash anyway, because they reduced the maximum withdrawal uh, limit from uh, all, in all the banks in Germany. And a bunch of, and, and many Germans started uh, buying gold. So again, there, the signs are there and there are reasons why banks make these decisions and they might provide you with one reason and it might be the actual reason but of course there might be uh, another reason that's probably in their best interests however let's talk about this article so i've gone off on a tangent here but according to the federal reserve data this month has seen the biggest run on banks since y2k which was 20 years ago in fact this bank run was much bigger than y2k cash in circulation has increased from 1.809 trillion to 1.84 3 trillion for the week of 11th of March through to March 18th, a jump of 35 billion. This represents people pulling cash out of their bank accounts en masse. When Y2K happened 20 years ago, it was feared that all computers in the world would crash, which would cripple the financial system. This caused crash and circulation to increase by 22 billion during one week during December 1999 and 55 billion overall as people frantically emptied their bank accounts. So the same thing is happening now and people are wising up. So what can you do? Well, I still believe this current economic environment, environment, you should be cash rich. You should have as much cash as possible because you never know what's going to happen in the future. There's lots of, there's lots of economic uncertainty. There could be social unrest. We don't know what's going to happen uh, with this virus situation at the moment. So having a lot of cash is good. Um, so you can either store it in your bank account. There's many ways you can store it, but I'd say, you know, if you would like to withdraw your cash, why not? It's your money at the end of the day. So moving on. Global reserve currencies have tended to only last 100 years. Will Bitcoin be next? In reality, the USD is more dominant than ever, and Bitcoin that cannot be a global reserve currency since there is no nation behind it. These, that, that is a factual statement, but it doesn't mean it can't be a... a uh, a dominant currency that everyone uses or is pegged to in terms of the financial system, which is ultimately the role that a, a reserve currency plays. But we have a lovely uh, chart here that was reposted by Plan B on Twitter. And we can see here the length of time each individual country throughout history has had their national currency be the reserve. So this is from the 1400s to now. Portugal, Spain, then Netherlands, then France, then Britain, then the USA, each had their currency last at least 100 years. Spain and Britain seems to have uh, lasted the longest, but USA is, a pro is, a, is over the 100 year mark. So what is this indicating to us? It's indicating that a new contender shall uh, rise in the future, and that's to be expected. Things happen in cycles. It's, nothing stays the same. The only, the only consistent thing in life is change. So I would, I would um, pay attention to this because this could affect you. This isn't going to suggest that the dollar could become hyperinflationary and you know turn into Zimbabwean dollar where it will cost three hundred million dollars for a cup of coffee. But it just means that, um, in terms of how the broader economy works, um, the dollar might be losing its. Uh, place as top dog on the pedestal. Okay, moving on. So, so let's talk about more crypto specific things. We have the French Central Bank putting out a call for digital currency experiments. So 
What that actually means is cryptocurrency experiments because because currency is already digital, okay? All cash is digital in, in the fiat system. Uh, you, you know, dollars, euros, et cetera, et cetera, pounds is digital. When they say digital currency experiments, what they're actually saying is they want um, some kind of um, uh, like, like uh, hub or lab where they can uh, see on a micro level what would happen if a digital currency um, under their control would be released into the broader ecosystem where people actually use it. And um, this is really bullish for cryptocurrencies in general, but more specifically Bitcoin. This is indicating to us that banks are looking for solutions to financial crisis because the way the current economic system works is we go through booms and busts and this isn't something that should be unexpected this is this is programmed into the system it's, it's based on on debt and then just debt not being able to be paid off and then you know we have we have cycles of growth and 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 um and uh, uh retraction ultimately and the issue is the way banks have started to tackle um, tackle uh, these booms and busts in the broader economy has meant that over time they're reduced with what they can do with their tools. They can't stimulate the economy um, as significantly as they could uh, since the pre last financial crisis, and the same thing can said can be said for the last financial crisis to the last crisis before. So all they can do is basically increase interest, change the interest rate, and print money. Or pro provide more liquidity or money in the in the in this in the um, in the ecosystem, in the monetary system, and that's there's various ways to do so. But ultimately, only two things are happening: more money in the system, print more money, um, get more money into the system, either through uh, lending banks money, uh, lending money to banks, um, lending cash to banks, or through buying. Um, buying equities and stocks, which is what we're seeing this year. That's the new, the new way they're getting cash into the system. But once um, they've pumped equities and stocks for X amount of time, um, central banks, then that tool will stop being useful. Then they'll, they'll be kind of at a, at a dead end. So digital currencies are an alternative, but what, what they don't seem to understand, or maybe they do, is that it's all about monetary policy because we need a harder money, one that can't be, um, can't be debased or devalued through excessive printing or or creation, um, which is what Bitcoin has. So having a fixed supply is really important. So it's interesting that the French central bank is looking to do this. We have more um, bullish news from, from banks. So Santander plans to launch Ripple-powered payments solution OnePayX, OnePayFX in Mexico in 2020. This is extremely bullish. It is the Ripple network. Ripple network isn't the same as a Ripple token, so this doesn't mean that the Ripple token will change in price. In fact, it probably means literally nothing will happen to the Ripple token other than spec purely uh, spec speculation. But this is really big in terms of uh, banks looking to harness the power of payment networks. Okay, so Santander's Ripple-powered payment solution set to launch in Mexico will enhance transparency in operations, improve speed, sending and receiving of payments. So I believe Ripple transactions are extremely Fast, which is nice. Um, they're also extremely cheap, which is also nice. 
And what's that's, what that's meant is in terms of global remittance, um, guys, I can't stress to you how over-encumbered the existing financial system is. It's, I, have a, I have a friend that's a developer that has helped implement some of these systems. He's much older than me. He's been around for a while, but he, he was mentioning to me that all of these bank, bank systems are created in languages that are specific to the own bank, into the bank's uh, software. So it's a unique software language. That's already an issue um, because there's no, there's no uh, uh, synergy or unity across these different software, uh, these software solutions, which are all layered upon each other. And they would have to talk to each other and interact with each other. Um, and that's why these on and off ramps like the Ripple network or the Swift network um, have varying degrees of uh, confirmation time, costs. Um, that's why sometimes they go offline. Um, but on the surface, you know, when you use your card, et cetera, et cetera, or actually uh, withdraw cash or, or do anything that with, with your money, on the surface, it looks um, relatively seamless. Underneath it is an absolute mess. I really can't st stress that enough. It's a mess. It's a mess for people to use on the back end. Um, it's a mess to develop anything new on top. Um, ideal, you know, the ideal, fi you know, financial future we would live in would ultimately have something completely new providing a solution to um, uh, you know, financial networks. And it seems like we're getting that built on the internet um, through crypto and other means. So um, that will be there uh, being developed uh, alongside the existing financial system. And it might overtake it, it might become more dominant, but it will be an alternative that can be used, which is um, why Santander is using uh, the Ripple network. But let's move on to the next piece of news. So, good guy Jack Dorsey, the CEO of Twitter, CEO of Cash App, looks to distribute the US stimulus package via the Cash App. I think this is an absolutely amazing idea because it gets cash into people's hands instantaneously. And if this were to happen, this would mean that all the Americans would also have exposure to Bitcoin because Bitcoin is available through the Cash App. Um, but more crucially, a lot of people I've seen in the States won't be able to really... Um, take advantage of the cash that they, they'll be receiving from the government. I think it's 1200 US dollars. And what's been very interesting is a lot of, started with Cash App and Jack Dorsey, but a lot of people um, that do use the Cash App, some celebrities looking to take advantage of their name, obviously, to kind of, you know, to look, look good in the public eye, but also just help people, have been sending cash directly to people via the Cash App and it's been instantaneous. So um, people have been sending $200, $250. I've seen one person send $3,000 uh, to one person um, and it's effective. It's instantaneous. Why wouldn't you do it? So um, I, doubt, I doubt the US Treasury will use the Cash App. It would be, I mean, it's possible, but I think it's just a bit unlikely just because, you know, there's a lot of bureaucracy. It'd be a private company that'll be doing this rather than the US Treasury just sending a check or depositing it directly into people's accounts. So, but it would be nice if this was done. But um, this was actually all started with Jack Dorsey suggesting that he's just going to start sending people money that are in need and it's been helping people, which is what we like to hear. 
Okay, let's move on to some more specific Bitcoin news, some very bullish Bitcoin news. So the number of Bitcoin addresses holding one BTC or more hits new all-time high near 800,000. So we already hit an all-time high recently, a couple, uh, a couple of weeks ago, but now we've reached an all-time high again. So in terms of a bullish um, indicator, this is a good bullish macro indicator. This is telling us the number of people holding Bitcoin is increasing. This increases, this overall inc increases the bottom of Bitcoin because people will be unwilling to sell. Um, people will be more invested and just, it, and if you are someone that's been in Bitcoin for a while, it, you, you understand how this works. Um, but it's, it's, it's generally budget for Bitcoin. It means people understand Bitcoin a bit more. People have been through the swings, the highs. They understand the volatility. They probably understand a few new cycles, maybe even the whole market cycle, bullish and bearish cycle. And um, they've reached the point where they think holding Bitcoin is better than not holding Bitcoin. And, and that's a good hedge to have against the traditional markets at the very least. Um, and from a investment perspective, all things indicate that Bitcoin is going to be trending upwards um, long term. So very, very bullish news there. Moving on. Let's talk about stable coins very quickly. So USD stable coins are surging, but zero interest rates complicate the business model. So this is the one thing I've always um, I've always thought about stable coins, which is in in terms of in terms of these companies making any dramatically significant amount of money um because ultimately that's what they're looking to do um you know usd usdt gusd uh true usd all these uh cryptocurrencies that are pegged to the dollar i think binance has has one as well ultimately they're providing liquidity for the cryptocurrency market, which is extremely necessary. But what is their role? How do these companies make money? So we know with Tether, they don't really allow allow people to sell Tether back to them um, because this would basically make um, Tether, um, it it make the value of Tether zero in terms of profitability, not, not the value of Tether, make the profit made from Tether zero because Ultimately, if, if people just sell back the Tether to, um, to Tether, they're making marginal, marginal gains on the difference in price. And um, the thing is they can mint as much Tether as they want, but that, that's meant to be tied to dollars in the bank account somewhere, which we're still unsure about. But that difference is very small. It's very, very small compared to what you would see in the rest of the crypto market. It's very minimal volatility. So you can make a profit, but nothing significant. So what Tether do is not allow people to sell their Tether. So they're acting as a bank. USDT is like the Federal Reserve. Um, they, they have the Tether Treasury, sorry, that's like the Fed, Federal Reserve. Um, they mint new Tether, just like the Federal Reserve or other central banks prints new fiat. Um, but what's different in this instance is that when exchanges buy Tether, um, to help provide liquidity for their exchange um, in the millions or hundreds of thousands for the smaller exchanges, um, they can't really sell that tether or sell that crypto back to 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 the treasury, the you know the crypto treasury. So, or as farmers, where it's not very easy to do so. At least for for you and I, if we held a significant amount of tether, there is no real way to sell a tether back to tether. We'd have to go to an exchange and do it. And they are providing a service, they are providing liquidity, but in terms of profit, profitability, um, it's it's very low for these companies if they did follow the exact way they're meant to uh, 
operate ultimately you know if they're going to operate like a central bank but there's a new there's a there's a kind of new role that that these stable coins are providing which is very interesting one they're providing people that do not have access to dollars uh, a means to so for example if you know in a lot of countries dollars really is a better uh, it's a better store of value versus their national currency so people buy them on the black markets at a at a you know, excess charge versus what we'd get for it at an exchange we would have access to. Um, but through stable coins, it's providing a, a um, what, what, was the, what was the word they used in this article, which was really, really nice, um, a euro dollar. So this is, that's a term from traditional markets, but a euro dollar, so ultimately a proxy for the dollar um, where people can get access to it. Um, now, one interesting thing we are seeing is people moving their money into stable coins from the traditional space and uh, and and using uh, the interest rates on staking for example on binance or, or other staking pools to basically get more interest for their stable coin than they would versus their bank accounts bank bank account interest rates are likely to go to zero or close to zero i'm going to guess 0.01 percent because they have to give some kind of interest rate otherwise there's no point having those accounts open anymore but most bank accounts broadly across the world especially where there's any negative interest rates are likely to sense uh uh where the central bank has, has shifted to negative interest rates will mean that retail banks will likely have 0.01% interest. interest. Um, I'd say check back in in three months time with me on that one, um, but it's, it's highly likely. Um, but yeah, that was, that was an interesting article anyway. Last piece of news, we have, we have a Bitcoin whale sending 5,500 BTC to Binance worth 33.8 million. So this is very interesting, okay, because if someone was looking to sell their Bitcoin, they would move it to an OTC, over-the-counter account, okay? Because that means they can get spot price plus a slight charge. That means there won't be any slippage if they were looking to sell uh, 33.8 million's worth. They'd probably get something like 30, 32 million, okay, uh, for example. Uh, whereas if they were to actually sell all this Bitcoin on Binance, then they would probably get something like 25 million for it, okay? Because there's order slippage, because order books are highly unlikely to be um, that liquid, have that many orders between, for example, but in, you know, order thickness uh, between um, each step down of price with Bitcoin. So I, I'm amazed by this. So this, this well could be anyone. It could be an individual, it could be a company could be a fund, could be another exchange, could be um, many things. But let's let's assume that this is a representative of someone that is, is looking to make money off this. So this would be someone that would either sell their Bitcoin in the, in the near future off, the, off a coming pump, which would uh, either dump the price, which would be against their best interests, or just suppress the price. Um, or alternatively, someone could be looking to buy altcoins. Now, if that's the case, that's that's extremely significant because that basically means that this is this is, probably means it's institutional money. Um, it could be from a pool of uh, 
in investors or fund, manage, uh, fund managers at an investment firm. So that couldn't be the manager's money, or it could just be an actual firm that's moved money onto the exchange because they're looking to buy altcoins because they see in the future there's a market for actually selling these altcoins to their customers. So that's an alternative. Or it could just be someone that's looking to make money from the altcoins, altcoin rally or boom that'll be coming in the future because Bitcoin is likely to rally first, do really well first, means that altcoins will suffer, will suffer versus the Bitcoin uh, pairing. And that means it'd be a good time to buy these altcoins, which will you know ultimately have their own alt, alt season as it's known and rally in the future. And that's where the real money will be, will be made because they'll be making dramatic gains because it'd be much more volatile than Bitcoin. Even Ethereum alone will be more volatile than, than Bitcoin in the, in the, in the, in the upcoming uh, bull market. So very interesting stuff. I didn't actually cover anything in this article. I gave this article a nice read, but, um, but um, you know, it's very, very, very interesting. So, so anyway, that's it for the show today, guys. Um, if you have watched this video all the way to the end or listened to the end, thank you so much for staying with me. Um, there's lots of goodies and links in the description box below. Don't forget to comment or reach out to me on Twitter. So I have um, released my Twitter. So I have uh, two Twitters now. So one that I'll be doing releasing technical analysis on. Um, basically, I was under... I wasn't able to talk publicly from a personal account about cryptocurrency um, or Bitcoin because there's conflict of interest with my ex-employer. Um, but it's, you know, it's I'm at a point now where I'm just going to do it because I need to do it. So I have a, an almost pseudo-anonymous account. It's underscore Bloomberg, which was the old handle for the main Bloomberg crypto account. Then we have the Bull and Bear news feed, which is Bull Bear Crypto on Twitter. And I'll be providing news, retweets, and interesting things on the market. But my main uh, account is underscore Bull and Bear, and that's been turned off private. So that's it for the video. Thanks so much for watching. I hope you have an amazing day. Stay safe out there, and we shall see you in the next one. Wishing you guys all the very best.